Yo, welcome back to The Great Date Guy. My name is Rob Wong, and uh, we messed up the audio for the last podcast, the one that would be live right here and now. So instead, I'm going to give you uh, a much more direct, to-the-point episode about conversation skills. I'm going to teach you how to be a master conversationalist. A good place to start, though, um, beyond the technique, is that you want to control your vibe and your energy. What I don't mean by that is you chug a pot of coffee before you go out on a date. Um, you don't want to be super keyed up. You don't want to be hyper energetic or like overly bouncy. Uh, nor do you want to be in like a depressed sort of like fuck the world kind of state. <laughs> so it's really important that you understand um, how to influence your own emotions. Uh, that's why we spend so much time in other episodes talking about what to do with sadness or what to do with anger or fear. Because when you know how to process those things, they can go away. But the best thing that you can do for yourself is spend like an hour or two just like walking around or go on a hike or do some yoga. Something to get you moving, something to get you breathing, something to get that endorphin flow flowing. So that when it's time for the date, you're kind of loose and happy and you're not stressed because you've just had like a really good workout or a good run or whatever it is that you did. The most important part of having a good conversation is coming in with that good energy. Um, and if you can master that piece by itself, then every future conversation that you're going to have is going to be phenomenal, right? But let's say that you can't do that. Let's say that you still struggle with handling your emotions. You haven't gotten some coaching about it. You're still dealing with some triggers that pop up for you. What can you do in the meantime when you start floundering? I think that one of the most basic and most effective things that you can do is talk about emotions. What I mean by that is when you have conversations with someone, you talk about something that's a little bit uncomfortable to talk about. You bring the vulnerability forward. And when you do that, it allows them to do the same thing with you. And if you can just go back and forth like one or two rounds like this, um, then you're pretty much golden. That connection is there. There's intimacy in that space and that person will inherently begin to trust you more. Now, that isn't to say that you just run into the conversation and start talking about the one time that you peed in a pool when you were six years old. And you, you could do that. But it might be a little bit weird for some folks, right? Unless you're a master level conversationalist, I wouldn't necessarily start off with that. But if something comes up, if someone mentions something and it reminds you of an awkward moment in the past, rather than clamming up and trying to look good, speak up about it. Tell the other person and see what happens. The more you can keep the conversation on the emotional element, the more you'll be demonstrating to this woman that you can speak her language, that you understand women, right? And there's nothing more attractive than a guy that gets women. The same way that it would be if you ran into a woman that played video games and knew which buttons to press precisely to get you turned on, right? There's nothing sexier than that. So 
gotta learn how to play in the world of emotions. You also have to welcome her emotions to the conversations, which means that you'll be asking questions about how she's feeling and talking about how you're feeling. This is really important. Now, if for some reason you still get stuck, one thing that you might be running into is just the fact that you're talking about the present. If I'm asking how someone's doing, there's a really, I mean, it's kind of limited how much information that that person's going to be able to give me, right? The moment is now and now and now. Um, and most people struggle to just kind of stay only talking about the present. So if it's stalling out where you want to take the conversation is to the past or the future. What was she like when she was a kid? What is she planning on doing? Uh, I mean, you don't want to ask her about her five-year plan necessarily unless that's the person that you want to end up dating. But sometimes it's cool to hear about what people are planning to do with their lives. The trick here is that you want to be asking questions. Um, Open-ended questions are good, but uh, I think the most important thing to remember here is not whether or not your questions are open-ended, but whether or not you actually care about the answer. And this is really important. Um, if I were to go up to someone and ask them about the designer shoes that they're wearing, I don't actually care about shoes unless she's wearing red wings or something. I hear those shoes last for fucking ever. Uh, and they're really stylish and I like polishing shoes. I can talk about that if she's wearing boots, right? Automatically, I have a lot of places to take that conversation and I'm stoked about it. You can hear it in my voice. But if I'm asking about her heels, I don't actually care. And she can tell. She knows that I don't care. And it's a little weird that I'm asking her questions about something that I don't care about. So uh, there's no faster way to creep someone out than to act in an incongruent way. I'm not interested in the thing, but for some reason, I'm talking about it. So keep, in your, keep an eye out for that. Like when you're, when you're drowning and you're just trying to keep the conversation going, the worst thing that you can do for yourself is ask a question you don't care about. In fact, it's better to just be silent or at least let her know that you're like feeling really nervous and you need a minute, re-regulate yourself and then rejoin the conversation. It's not as weird as it might sound. Um, in fact, I would say that that's kind of a high charisma thing to do. If you're just some random stranger who approached her off the side of the street and you do this, it'll give her permission to do the same thing. And the less she's in that fight or flight or nervous response or stressed out because you came out of nowhere and she doesn't know when you're gonna leave, then the better you're going to do. So this is, again, a dance about emotions. It's about your nervous system. And the more you take care of your nervous system in the moment, the easier it will be for you. Another thing that I find helps out a lot is leaving space. You don't want to be a conversation hog. Um, so if you find that you jump into groups of people and you're like talking and you're excited and you're energetic and you're talking and you're talking and, you're, and then all of a sudden everyone's checked out, this is the reason why. So you'll, you'll probably, if you're listening to this right now, fall on one of two ends of the spectrum. If you're like me, then you talk too little, right? You don't contribute much to the conversation. You're more of like a comment sniper. You can make little quips, little one-liners. You can ask good questions but you have a really hard time talking about yourself. Uh, that's a different issue. Of course, we'll talk about that as well. But if you are over-talking, if you're talking most of the time and you just kind of free flow and just jabber on with your conversation, um, at a certain point, this becomes triggering for people. 
right? Certain people will not be able to stand that. So you want to be cognizant of when you're running your mouth and you're just kind of blacking out when you're speaking. If you can catch that, if you can begin leaving pauses in your conversation for her to jump in, that's much, much, much better. In fact, if she's talking more than you, that's much, much, much better. Right? Always leave breathing room in your conversation. Silence is your friend. Allow it to do its work. If you leave the right amount of silence, it begins to build tension, right? It begins to build curiosity and mystery about you. It gives you a little bit more gravity to what you're saying. And there was this anecdote that I remember hearing about like a panel of celebrities, maybe it was at Comic-Con or something, where all of them were speaking. But out of the group of five, only one of them was taking time to pause. And out of that entire group, he ended up looking like the wisest, most expert one, simply because he was able to take his time in front of that crowd rather than shoving his answer through like whatever, whatever medium was available. Now, if you have the opposite problem and you don't talk enough, right, you're not taking up enough space, then what I would recommend is to default back to vulnerability. Look for the thing that you don't want to say in the moment. If your brain comes up with a joke and then the rest of you is like, no, no, don't say that. That's stupid. That'd be awkward. Say it anyway. <laughs> say the comment. See what happens. Over time, you'll find that when you mention those thoughts, that's when people actually tune back in. They're interested. They're locked in because there's some emotion there for you, right? You come alive in those moments. And maybe it's discomfort, right? Maybe it's just a little bit awkward and funny for you. Maybe you feel sad and you don't want to talk about that. But when you bring it up, the emotions are there, sparks fly. So the rule that I usually look for, the, the, the rule that I used in the beginning to begin to open up more was just look for the one thing that you would normally keep to yourself in that moment, then spit it out. Simple as that. Now, normally I would end the podcast here, but there are two things that I think would really elevate your game. So I'm going to throw in two meta-level tactics, two meta-level tricks that will make you a better conversationalist. And the first is, if you're talking about something, be polarizing. Have strong opinions about things. And if you don't have strong opinions about things, go out and have a lot of experiences. Have stories to tell about things. Don't make them up. Just go out into the world and try a bunch of different things. And naturally, as a result of being someone who does, who does, <laughs> a doer, uh, being someone who does uh, was a weird one. Anyway, being, being the uh, as a natural result of being someone who does things, right? You'll have strong opinions about things. Maybe you just fucking hate hornets. I do. I got stung a bunch of times as a child. Like, I really don't like them. And mosquitoes are the same way. I wish I could genocide mosquitoes like yesterday. That, that If I got one wish from a genie, that would probably be the wish that I need. Yeah. Fuck eternal life. I want all mosquitoes to die. Likewise, the more experiences that you have, the easier it will be for you to have strong opinions about things in the world, right? And this comes back to the emotion component again. Um, just a couple of days ago, I went curling 
I've never done it before. I always thought that it was just like, hey, there's a giant huggy puck and you sweep a broom in front of it uh, on the ice. And that's the entire game. It turns out it's a lot more like shuffleboard on ice. And the broom still works. You can use it to redirect the puck around and to smooth things out so it slides around. But as a result of having that experience, I could probably have a good two, three minute, five minute, ten minute conversation with someone about that game. It's fun. I would do it again. It reminds me of skateboarding in a lot of different ways. But as you begin to go out and try things that you never would have normally tried, your ability to have an intelligible conversation with people grows exponentially. Um, because I skateboard, I learned how to shuffleboard faster. Not shuffleboard, uh, <laughs> how to curl faster. Because when you're sliding on the ice, you need to balance on your dominant foot. And it's very much like being on a skateboard. You push off with one foot, you balance on the other. Uh, but if you're doing curling, then you've got a big fucking hockey puck in one hand that you throw out across the board or across the ring until it lands in a designated spot. But you can begin to see that like, because I've learned a bunch of things, I can connect the dots between them. It means I can learn those things faster, but it also means that I can jump from one subject to another. It's kind of like the six degrees of separation game using Wikipedia. Uh, presumably, if you start off with one subject and you just click a bunch of links, eventually you can navigate to almost any other subject in the world. So if your conversation is really suffering, one, just talk about the stuff that you feel really strongly about. And two, have a bunch of experiences so you will have strong opinions about things. Get really deep into the muck with them, understand them, play with them, take your time. So when you are talking with someone, there's the fire of passion there that's available. The thing about emotions, the beautiful thing about emotions, is that the more worked up, the more incited, excited and enthusiastic and happy we are about things, the more that gets passed on to another human being. Right? And that's why we have conversations. We have conversations with other people to feel differently about life, to feel things that we haven't felt that day. And if we boil it down, that's basically what charisma is too. I have the ability to create a deep emotional impact on another human being. And that draws them to me. And there's no better way to summarize how attraction works. They are literally attracted into your field because of the energy and emotions that you provide. And when you, want to sh when you show up in a room, it should be like you're the blazing sun, like warm and delicious on her skin. She loves bathing in your presence. And finally, the final tip that I'm going to throw out here is if you notice that your conversations keep dying, one other thing to look out for is if you were trying to stick with the same conversational thread and that's it. Like if you started off on ice hockey and like 15 minutes later, you're still talking about ice hockey, 30 minutes later, you're still talking about ice hockey, you're beginning to run out of content, you're just kind of like pedaling your legs trying to stay afloat and she can feel it and she doesn't want to talk about hockey anymore but you won't leave the subject alone that's your cue jump to something else it doesn't even have to make sense something that re that hockey reminds you of it could be ice you could start talking about snow then you can start talking about snow cones then you can talk about your time in hawaii and then you can talk about surfing or sushi or japan and it's really easy to jump rapidly from subject to subject and when you do this it allows you to kind of refresh. So 
that's probably a lot to keep in mind. Um, and the way that I would recommend that you begin to implement this is just one baby step at a time. You don't have to put all the pieces in place all at once. In fact, it would be crazy if you did because you'd spend all of your time trying to get it right. right? You wouldn't have time to be actually present with this human being and have a conversation. So what I would recommend is take one of these pointers and then implement it in your next conversation. Just give it a shot. Maybe this time around, you want to be a little bit more vulnerable. Maybe next month or next week, you just leave them a little bit more space to jump into the conversation. Maybe the month after that or the week after that, you make sure that you end all of your statements with a question for her. However that looks for you, take your time with it, go slow, allow your brain to integrate. And you have all the time in the world to get this right. I remember when I was 29, it felt like I really needed to settle down. Like, oh man, like I should, I should be married by now. Um, and that was wrong. <laughs> it was completely wrong. Um, if I'd gotten married at that point, I would have been forcing it. I would have ended up in a relationship where I was miserable and then I would have divorced her and lost half my money or however that would have looked. So take your time. You have more time than you think. And I, even though Scott isn't on this particular podcast, I think he's a perfect example of this. Right? He's an older dude, but he's still having the time of his goddamn life in the dating world. And he's like 50 or 60. And he's still dating women that he's really, really, really attracted to. So there's no rush on this. It's worth it to get it right. It's worth it to take this on in a way that feels good to you. Not just like you're trying to force something into place. Give these things a shot. Give yourself the space to be messy with it. And of course, I'll catch you next Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time. I think you're going to love the next one. We got some kind of game show thing happening, and I don't want to spoil the surprise by giving out all the details, but I also don't remember all the details. So you're going to be in the dark for a little bit until the next one, but we'll catch you next Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Peace.